Welcome to Basecamp, an Ethnos 360 MK Care podcast. I'm Steve Swope, and I'm here with Pete Ammerman, and we're your hosts for this podcast. We're part of the MK Care team for Ethnos 360, and our team exists to assist our MKs and their families by providing care and resources to help them thrive in the transitions that come hand in hand with ministry life. At the end of today's podcast, we'll give you information on how you can connect with us. We're glad you're joining us today. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this podcast. Today, we're really excited. We're going to be interviewing one of our families, and uh, we're going to do that periodically. We're going to bring in families just to hear about their life, their experience, and what parenting has been like on the field. And today we've got Jeremy and Mandy Hambryson. I have had the opportunity to get to know them from quite a few years back. We were in training together and it was uh, really fun to get to know them. And now they're out in Wanakia in the people group there in Papua New Guinea and doing a great job with an incredible team. So yeah, we're really excited to hear from them. Our, our MK Care team was privileged to get to know the Hambryces and the rest of their team when we were in Papua New Guinea about seven or eight years ago, doing a transition week for the school, and their families were there helping them put their houses up. And so we, we got to meet them a little bit. Absolutely. So Jeremy and Mandy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, thanks so for much for having us. Good to be here. So Jeremy and Mandy, can you tell us just a little bit about your family background, um, how you got into, involved in Ethnos 360, or, or it was probably New Tribes Mission back then, and just a little bit about your family. Uh, yeah, we're Jeremy and Mandy Hambrice, and um, we're from Arkansas, so you might notice our southern accents a little bit. Um, we have four beautiful girls, ages 11, 10, 5, and 3. They're all blonde-headed and blue-eyed. And so, yeah, we grew up, both Jeremy and I grew up in Arkansas. We grew up in believing families, and Eventually, God put it in our hearts to go to Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. So Jeremy's going to tell you all a little bit about that part. Yeah. So I was just in the middle of what my dream was to play professional baseball. I, I got drafted by the New York Mets and was playing in the minor leagues. Mandy, she was working as a nurse. We met in college. We were engaged. And at that same time, we heard some pretty life-changing messages, basically, we heard about what God's word said about his desire to be made known among all the nations. We took a look at the world. Somebody showed us how many unreached people groups there were in the world and, and told us, you know, they won't be reached unless somebody physically goes and tells them. And then uh, we got challenged just to be involved in some way, shape or form. And we just began to pray about it and ask God what he had for our family. And just through, you know, a season of prayer and letting others speak into our lives, we really felt like God desired for us to go. And so we entered into Ethnos 360's training. Uh, we eventually met two other families, the Sanders and Crabtree families. And uh, as we uh, looked at the map and prayed about where God would have us, also just through a series of ways that God just made things clear to us, the door was wide open to go to Papua New Guinea. So we moved with those two other families. That would have been in 2014. So this just right now, basically nine years ago, we, we got on a plane, left everything, everyone we knew and headed over to PNG. We've been there for nine years. We eventually settled to live among the Wantakia people. That was in 2015. And over the course of the last eight years, we've, we've learned uh, the Wantakia language, created an alphabet for it, taught our Wantakia friends how to read and write. We began the process of translating the Bible, writing Bible lessons. And about two years ago, we taught uh, the gospel for the first time. We by God's grace and his power through his word and his spirit working, got to see people 
have their eyes open to the truth of Jesus and what he did for them. They trusted in him and became a part of God's family. And we've just been disciples awesome. in the church for the last two years. So uh, we're, we're currently on furlough here, uh, which has had its own challenges and transitions. We'll get in. I'm sure we, we're just in two different worlds from the jungle uh, to yeah. our home here in South Arkansas. So how many kids did you have when you went over in 2014? When we went over, we had our oldest two, and they were two and one when we first got to the mission field. So tiny, tiny girls, you know, they, the whole, their whole lives have been in Papua New Guinea, basically. Where do your girls feel like they um, call home? Papua New Guinea, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they think that Papua New Guinea is way better than America. And <laughs> you know, we've been on our furlough here since uh, May, and they can't wait to get back to yeah. Papua New Guinea. So, and and that's odd for us because we're, we feel like we're Americans, you know, Mm -hmm. but they feel like they're from Papua New Guinea and that's where their friends are. That's where they're the most comfortable, you know, even in the tribe among, you know, people who are completely different than them, a totally different culture. They feel like they fit better there than they do here. And that, and that's been a huge thing for me as a mom, because I've, I didn't expect that, honestly. And this is the first time we're noticing it because our girls have gotten older. They're 10 and 11 now. The younger ones, they're not so much. um, They just kind of fit anywhere. But as they've gotten older, we've noticed more just, yeah, how much they love Papua New Guinea, you know. Yeah, that's that's a common thing that we hear about missionary kids. And uh, have they expressed that when they've been back in, in in the states on furlough that they're they're more at home in Papua New Guinea than they are here in America? And, and how have people responded to that? Yeah, I, I don't think they've actually said it like straight out like that. They wouldn't know how to express that, but just like I miss Papua New Guinea, you know, or like. I miss my friends there. I can't wait for us to go back. We, we hear lots of things like that. No one really, like my friends here aren't just as quite as good because they don't quite understand me. You know, mm-hmm. things like that is what we're hearing from our kids. And so we appreciate people who ask them lots of questions about Papua New Guinea. And so that's been really neat. And it's, and it's fun on furlough to connect with other missionary families mm-hmm. at different times. And they, they talk to our kids about, you know, the tribe together and it really kind of brings them in. So that's great. Well, we, we actually just spoke at a church on Sunday to a group of, of young girls and our girls were a part of that. They read some scripture. They got to talk about their experiences and everything. And someone asked that exact question, like, where, where do you like it better? And their, mm. their, their response was, well, Papua New Guinea and, and the people, all the shocked. women and the girls there were like, why would you say right. that? You know, like, <laughs> quite understand why, why would you not like America more? There's so much more stuff and, you know, fun and food family and, and you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard question to, for some North Americans and, and people that have grown up in one culture to understand, but that's great. Your girls had a chance to do that with them to express mm-hmm. their, themselves. Mm-hmm. Good. We, we definitely have many kids talk about that and walk through that and process. And sometimes it's just being it normalized for them so that they understand that it's okay. And it's, it's okay to have those feelings, you know? So, you know, we were talking about what life is like in America a little bit. What's life like in the tribe for your family? What's some of those dynamics look like? Yeah. Um, I think before we moved to the field, that was something I was so worried about. Like, how are my kids going to do. And just thinking about as I grew up in America, what are the things that they're going to miss out on? But now 
I feel totally the opposite. I'm so at peace with us living overseas. Our kids love Papua New Guinea. Um, they don't feel like they're missing out at all. They have great friends with our coworkers, kids, and um, they've made some relationships with some of the Papua New Guinea kids too. Um, and so they really just can kind of blend in anywhere. But yeah, we love our life in the tribe. We have great family time there. Things are slower there, although we're very busy with ministry. Just life is so much slower. And so, yeah, family connection, we're together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we get to have dad there too, which I know a lot from a lot of American families, that's not the case. And so, and there's games at night. I mean, we've experienced a little bit of that as we've been in America. You know, our, our oldest daughter played volleyball this year. And, um, so there was there was days where she had games four times a week and we were going and going and going and kind of ready for that season to be done. So we're so thankful for our life in Papua New Guinea. We're thankful that our kids get the perspective to get to see different culture and actually live among a people who don't really have anything. They can see what life is like and how hard it is for them. And I think it really gives them the perspective to be thankful. You know, we, we a lot of times when we're in a hard situation and maybe, maybe this is a small, silly example, but you go to a hotel room and you thought it was going to be a little bit nicer. And then you're like, what would the one to think about this hotel room? And they're like, we, they would think it was the best place on earth. And I'm like, yes, this place is great. You know? <laughs> so just things like that, that our kids get that perspective on life. So we're just, we just feel so blessed that it has a lot of challenges um, just as our kids are, go through lots of transitions and lots of goodbyes. But as far as just life overseas and among the Wantakins and just them getting to rub shoulders with so many people who love Jesus so much and have given their life for him in every way, they get to rub shoulders with people like that. Like they're loved by people who aren't necessarily their family members, but they feel like their family, you mm -hmm. know, and so we're just, our hearts are bonded to so many people there, whether it's um, our coworkers, which we call family or people out on the base who have become like family to us. Mm -hmm. um, as we come out, they're a familiar face and they just love our kids and cook meals for us. And we just fellowship together. So yeah, that's been really, really great raising our kids on the mission field. That's great. And it sounds like you've had opportunities for your kids to be plugged into ministry with what you guys are doing there too. Are there specific ways that the girls have really pitched in on that? Well, yeah. I mean, when we first moved out there, we were, we were just learning language. It took us three years, me three years, I think Mandy close to four. So our girl, I mean, what that meant for us is that we, we had to go and do and be everywhere and do everything that the, the Wantakins did. And so it didn't matter whether we're going to the garden or down to the river, up to the jungle, we had to go and, and be with people and that, that meant our kids had to go along with us. So uh, just in the early days, they were just right there with us. They knew what we were doing and why we were doing it. And we had to go just do it as a family. It, it, we couldn't, especially Mandy, uh, she didn't have the privilege of like somebody else watching the kids. She just had to take them, yeah. take the kids with her. And so uh, just in the early days, just being a part of just being in village life, they, even just us getting to live as a family on display before the Wantakia people. Uh, that was just mm -hmm. a big thing for the Wantakia people to see just, you know, before they, they had the Bible in their language, before we ever taught them uh, about marriage and family from the book of Ephesians, just, 
you know, them getting to see uh, hopefully what a godly husband, wife and parent child relationship look like. But as we eventually transitioned, you know, our, as we've taught the Wantakia, usually in this tribal setting is to, to teach the village, have everybody come to a designated place. And for a couple of months at a time, everybody gets to hear the, the entire story of the Bible from start to finish. And our kids were just right there along with us. They would carry the pictures every day that we would show and just looking for little ways that, you know, they can't stand up and, and speak the message uh, like we could, uh, but they can just be a little a little part of it. And so those were just some small ways. Yeah. And then, I mean, we got to involve our kids in some of the skits. Like we have one little boy on our team and his name is Graham. And he got to play the part of um, Abraham and Isaac when we were doing the skit for the Wanted Kids. Just things like that. And so that's been really neat. And then also just as the church has been born, like our kids, obviously they're coming to the church services with us every Sunday and they don't understand what's being said because the Wantakian language is super hard. A lot of them do know the trade language enough to hear it at least. And um, some of them can speak it, but because we really wanted them to feel a part and be understanding what's going on at church, we started on Wednesday nights having kind of church as a team and whatever we teach on Sundays to the Wantakins, we teach to our kids on Wednesday nights so that they are brought up to speed with what is being taught. And they we're going through the same books of the Bible um, with the Wantakins as we are with our kids. So just mm-hmm. helping them feel a part. I know our coworkers, since we actually left the tribe in May, we have songbooks that we've made for the Wantakins, but they made songbooks for their kids with the mm-hmm. translation underneath so that they know what they're they're reading. Okay. And in Wantakian, they know what it says in English. So just things like that, that can kind of just bring our kids along. And I mean, we're constantly having conversations about loving the Wantakians well and sharing with them and, you know, going and letting them have our basketball or playing basketball with them in the yard and like playing chase. Our girls have gotten to play some of the games that the Wantakian girls play and so that's just been neat. They have a little hotchpotch game that they play and they have a different kind of tag game that they play. And then they play garden with the, the Wantakian kids. And then just also when we have Wantakians in our homes, learning how to serve them, you know, like making, helping us carry tea to them or helping make plates and, and give it to the people, things like that, that we can just help them along to know how to serve and minister to people and try to meet their needs. Um, another way is we have, We've been able to give clothes out sometimes at Christmas time, like clothes that maybe don't don't fit our kids anymore. And so they'll think through what little girls that they're close to and pick out kind of a special thing that they want to give mm-hmm. to some of the Wantakian girls. So that's just another way that just bringing our kids into the ministry and feeling, helping them feel like they're a part of things out there. But it's been it's been cool just to watch our kids uh, grow and have a heart for our people, and it's just it's not like all rosy all the time. No. You know, and like, sometimes they don't great have great attitudes. It's like <laughs> uh, I don't know what y'all are talking about, or I don't know what y'all are saying. Like, and so we have to be creative sometimes, you know, to really help them feel a part of the work out there because it's sure. hard when you're completely immersed and you don't hear everything that's happening. So. Yeah, another way, just talking in the trade language with them, some like when we're in front of people so they understand what we're saying. 
I think that's another way. My coworker last night, I talked to her on the phone and she said that's a way that she's found, especially her daughter's about to be a teenager and really wanting to be a part and feel like she has purpose out there. So talking in the trade language sometimes as opposed to the Watakian language, just so her kid can be a part of the conversation. Mm. But it's just funny just seeing our kids' hearts come out for our people. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not, just like ours are. You know, it's it's not always like even like it should be. But I remember our oldest, we first moved out there and uh, she knew why we were there to communicate the gospel message. And as best she could, she just started singing a, a Christian song that we had been listening to. And she thought she thought she was communicating this this gospel truth to this kid. She's like I? singing to kids off the porch, like some, I don't even remember what the song was. And she told me, daddy, I'm telling them about Jesus. You know, like, like, great. And then just a few years later, she becomes fluent in the trade language, uh, close. And, but it's, she still makes a lot of mistakes, you know, just as a little girl trying to speak another language and, and just her best, just trying to communicate the gospel message. And the kids just sitting there <laughs> looking at her, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And just, you know, like we're just doing our best. We ask for the Lord's help all the time. We don't do it right all the time either. And, and we fail, but we're, we're so glad that, that God's so gracious with us and helps us for, with what we need. Right. That's great. You guys have kind of talked about balance life already involving the kids. Are, are there any other ways that you guys have been intentional about trying to balance ministry and family life so that you have time just as a family? Yeah. So there's just this constant battle, I feel like, between the demands of ministry and your desire to um, be with your family. Um, we live right in the middle of the village. We have tribal huts surrounding our houses and and we're just right there. And so it's not even that, you know, some of my work as, as daddy goes to work is to go to the office and translate the Bible and write the lessons. And I do that. But a lot of it is just, it just happens. You know, life just happens there in the village. There's always something. There's mm-hmm. always someone who needs something. There's, there's, you know, like we're always waiting for whoever to show up on our, our front porch. And that could be in the middle of homeschool or the middle of dinner time or on whatever day you decided to celebrate Christmas that year. It's like, they don't know, you know, the people around us have no idea and, and they live life totally different from us. And so uh, some of, it is sometimes a struggle to, to try to balance what does life look like available to the people, but also knowing that our family needs family time. And so we, we, we schedule family time in one of it is we started maybe two or three years ago, really getting serious about practicing Sabbath. You know, the Bible gives us this day, God gives us this day. And Jesus said, this is a gift for, you know, Sabbath was made for man. And we, we said, you know what, we're, we, we, we need this day and we need just time as a family. And so we just a day every week that we schedule for rest and for worship and for family, but that doesn't always mean that it's not going to get interrupted either. You just, you can't control it. And so I feel like even, you know, Jesus wanted to get away with his disciples, but yet the crowd followed him sometimes. And so there's just this ebb and flow of, of trying to spend time with your family, but also, um, be with the people or, or help them in any way that they, they need help. And we're, we're pretty much just constantly asking the Lord for wisdom and help in, in that area. Uh, it does seem like it's just kind of a, a constant, constantly on our minds, uh, how to make those things happen. 
Yeah, and I, I too, just we do family pizza movie nights. Like that's a big thing every week that we do, and we let a different kid each week pick which movie we're gonna watch. So that's been a way just to hang out together as a family and have fun. I by myself actually for a while we would let the our bigger girls because they some of the stuff that they do is homeschool um, DVDs, and so we mm-hmm. would say you get to go to work with Daddy today and do your homeschool on your DVD, and that was like and they'd have coffee together and have a little tea time together. Nice. You know he's working, but they're working too. But just that side by side was really neat for them. And then for me with our older kids especially just trying to find time because you you know can't take the kids to like a special place really um especially me as a woman just going out somewhere alone by ourselves that wouldn't be appropriate but we've tried to have special tea times just with one of them you know during the other the little girl's rest time so those are just ways that we we really try to spend quality time together also our coworkers whoever might be on furlough at the time we kind of make their house that is vacant kind of like a getaway house so we'll have mm. special tea times or whatever at our co-workers house and it's just a fun place to go or I'll have play what dates with my little girls with all of their friends toys you know that are super fun mm. so just things like that that kind of break up the mundane and something that I had a missionary lady tell me years ago that has just stuck with Jeremy and I and we go back to it a lot and you were constantly reevaluating life and what it looks like and how to balance family and sometimes we make sacrifice as a family but we'll never sacrifice our family and so we've really That's talked funny. about that that was one of the things that she she shared with us the other thing that she shared is I constantly was asking the Lord like every day I wake up in the morning and on her refrigerator she would put God family you know the Watkins or whatever their people group was and so like I'm constantly evaluating, okay, what goes to the top of the list, Lord, today? And sometimes it's the kids, like they really need us where we don't go visit people because my kids are struggling or whatever, and they just need mom that day or dad or whatever. And so just really asking the Lord, you know, how can, how can we meet the needs of both our people and our kids and each other as a husband and wife too? Because sometimes it's our marriage that rises to the top of the list. Like we need some care or love or whatever so yeah those are the kind of things that we feel like just that that balance is mostly I feel like it's just asking God like show us you know help us my goodness you guys are doing a great job you guys have so many great things that you guys are doing as a team and as a family like those are great ideas and you guys are being super intentional so um, just be encouraged I'd like to transition a question here that's going to kind of go into the hard. I just would love to hear, you know, as you talk about that need for the Lord, the dependency that you have, especially in this context, in this environment, when you're thinking of raising your kids, what are some of those concerns that you are having that you need that help? Well, when I think specifically just about our kids, when we ask them for help, you know, you hear all the time that. People who are in ministry, their kids, they they suffer because their kids are in, because their parents are in ministry and and it just doesn't turn out well for them. And uh, that would just be that would be like my biggest fear, you know, that that we would go and, and give our lives to a group of people in the jungle and translate the Bible and teach it and see churches planted and established. And, you know, that that along the 
along that path, my family would fall apart. And we were just talking this morning. We feel like if, if our, you know, like we're not in control of, of decisions that our kids make, but as far as it depends on us, like we, we feel like our children and our family is just as important as those things I just mentioned. And if, if our, if our kids, honestly, they're more important Mm -hmm. to me, you know, like they're more important than our ministry. Like God gave these people to us to teach and make disciples out of, you know, and just, I mean, we depended on him, him for their salvation, but dependent on him to like, Lord, please just let our girls know you and follow you all the days of their lives. Like that is my prayer for yeah. sure. And we, we had somebody tell us that it just stuck with me that we, we can't change our kids' hearts. Only God can. And so that, yeah. that just drives us into more dependence and, and to prayerful right. dependence. Um, and, and not that we are always doing a great job at it. You know, yeah. I find myself trying to tell my kids, teach my kids, correct my kids. And, and yet I'm not asking the Lord to help them. And so we we're constantly growing in that area, but uh, just all said and done, I just, I just think uh, our kids and, and their relationship with the Lord and that they thrive in that is just so important. It's just as, or more important than the other things we're doing out there in the jungle. And we just really want the Lord's help to do a good job. Amen. Wow. You guys have articulated and just expressed so well the heart I think any missionary or any any Christian parent would have for for their kids that that they don't get lost in the in the process of everything else that we do in life. So I just appreciate your perspective and and how you guys stated that. Well, thanks. And and I I think too it's like we're this we have we don't really know what we're doing. You know, like we this is you get kids and like that's <laughs> you didn't get a practice run at it. The Lord gave you these children as a gift and we don't know what we're doing and it's just a day-by-day thing and that's why we're just so thankful for ministries like you guys who are going to help us think through those things like yes uh, we, we we've been influenced by other people who have written the books and put the podcast together and gave us the resources and uh, we couldn't be doing what we're doing without those things so we man we're so appreciative of you guys uh, just holding our hand along the way well, it's definitely a privilege for us to be on a team with you guys. And, you know, a couple months back, our team was getting geared up for a team retreat and planning. And we sent out a survey to a handful of families and you guys responded. And we were just so taken by some of the things that you've already spoken about today, but your responses to the the survey was just so helpful for us. And one of the questions was, what can we offer? What can we do to help your family more? And uh, your response was really, really insightful. Can you share a little bit, little bit about that? Um, yeah, I feel like one of the reasons that we felt like the Lord led us to, to join Ethnos 360 was because they trained their missionaries really well. And then also they, they provided support for them through lots of different means, but for us specifically as church planners, basically in every step along the way, whether it's learning language or creating an alphabet and a literacy program, translation, lesson development, the church plant itself, like all, we just, we have a process for all those things and steps that are just kind of in an orderly fashion, but we have people kind of holding our hand along the way. And so uh, I would, I would just consider this as one of those things we already talked about how important we feel like our our kids and our family is and if if all those things that we trained all those years to do 
Uh, we do those things, but in, in the meantime, our family is just falling apart. We've really failed. I feel like as, as church planners, as parents. And so we, we, we think this is so valuable that we, we would just want to consider how we take care of our kids as missionary kids and, and let that be a part of the training. I know you guys are already doing this. So I think what's happened since we've gone to the field and what you guys have developed in the last several years is you guys are so leaps and bounds ahead of all of that. And so we, we just appreciate you guys are doing that as a part of the training. And then, you know, as far as consultants, we, we, we need a team like the MK care team that um, really holds our hand along the way, like knows where we're at in ministry or we're going on furlough and, and, and sends us a note and sort of holds us accountable, you know, and says, Hey, we know you're going on furlough. Uh, have you, have you gone through these transition questions or, or whatever they may be just that uh, we know, you know, every family is going to just go through some of the similar things, no matter where you're at in the world or what you're doing. There's just some things just like they are, no matter where you learn language or translate the Bible, there's just some principles that you need to know and to have somebody help you walk through them. And so uh, we're, we're appreciative of you guys that are providing those resources and then reaching out to us. I feel like uh, just since we've been home, you guys have uh, sent us packages in the mail, stuff for our kids, coloring books. They've loved those. The magazine, I just got a new magazine in a couple of days ago and just looking forward to diving into that and just, you know, slipping it onto one of my girls' beds and just saying, hey, read through some of this and just maybe have some mm -hmm. conversations with that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like this topic should be on par with with the other things that we do as a mission. So important. We we see families that go home all all the time because of family issues, and and we we focus so much on our, our learning the language and translating the Bible and all those things. When this this has to be held in in that regard as well, and, and up to that level. And like to just um, just to be a little more specific. I feel like for missionary families, transitions are crazy huge. And then also just in, in those transitions, all these goodbyes and hellos that we say and our kids are now saying it just it hurts your heart to see them saying goodbye. Just for instance, we when we left the tribe this last time, uh, we actually were planning on going home to America in July and it ended up being the beginning of May. It wasn't, we weren't ready for it. And we left quickly because we were having some medical issues. And so that was a time we, we weren't quite ready to leave yet. And so it was kind of, I didn't clean our house. Um, our kids didn't really get to say goodbye because they were leaving for a whole year. We didn't get to say goodbye to our believers. The, the chopper showed up on a Friday, kind of out of the blue. We had gotten all our stuff together as fast as we could that morning, and we were out of there. And then we were out on the base for a couple of months, hoping to go back in, but it just didn't work out. And so we left earlier than we thought we were going to have to do that. And I was really just grieving so much through that mm -hmm. time because I didn't realize all the things that I really needed to do to leave, you know, all the goodbyes that you would say, like our kids even saying goodbye to their cats, like that's a huge deal in their minds. Goodbye to some of their Wantakia friends, 
um, goodbye to their rooms, making up their bed, getting rid of things that they didn't want anymore. Just all those things that you process through as you're leaving somewhere for a year, they didn't get to do. And so for us, this, this last transition was a very difficult one. And so it was during that time, I think a lot of times, whenever we're going through a hard time, we realize, oh, I need help. Like, and you're kind of in this crisis, like, oh, people have told us transitions are hard. Now our kids are a little older and we're realizing it's really hard. And so I think instead of us in the crisis mode where we're realizing things are hard and then we get to America and our kids are going to school for the very first time. They're in fourth and sixth grade. And there's these huge transitions for them of going to school for the first time and trying to fit in and feeling different and all these different things, you know, us as a husband and wife are going, wait a minute, you know, like we really need to start being proactive here, but we should have been proactive before the crisis kind of thing hit or before we really were Mm. in it. And so I think now just realizing I think it would just be good to have something really proactive that missionaries have to read this stuff. Like you have to look through it, you know, and I had heard, I had heard lots of other missionary moms. I've talked to them a lot about transitions or how your kids are doing, you know, and I've learned a lot from them. Um, And then just like our, our leadership on the field and and our homeschool resource center, they've given us a few things just about transitions, but I don't think you really take it seriously sometimes until you're in it and you're, you feel like it's actually happening to you, you know? And so for me, I wish that I would have been more proactive myself, really educating myself about grief and the loss of things in transitional periods and just how our kids handle all that and process through it and having good debrief that as a family. Um, we have been able to debrief a lot as a family just about what happened in Papua New Guinea before we ended up leaving there for our, a little bit of an early furlough. Um, and that's just because I was reaching out to people in the field that have gone through a lot and they were like, hey, look at this resource or this resource, you know. And so we were able to do that. But I just feel like just really knowing what's out there. And so I really, we really appreciate all the things that y'all are putting out on your websites and stuff like that. And I know it's going to help a lot of other missionaries whenever their kids are going through hard things, you know, it's like you're struggling yourself, but you're trying to help them too. And so, yeah, just being more proactive. I feel like whenever we talk about, like, I didn't understand MKs, like I'm not an MK. So understanding how they're going to feel or like third culture kids, like learning what that actually means, what a third culture kid is, because I have kids and they're hitting that age of they understand what's going on. Things are very difficult at times with saying goodbye or trying to fit in in a culture that which we would call our home culture. Mm-hmm. They're not fitting in, you know, and I mean, I always thought, oh, that's probably just because those kids are weird. Well, no, they're not weird. They're just different because they've had completely different life experiences. And most of these kids have been together for life and they have these relationship bonds for years and years and years. It's not because they're mean, you know? Um, And so, yeah, just trying to, to help our kids and help them process everything and seeing them struggle 
but knowing that those struggles, because we've experienced in our own lives, only only bring them closer to the Lord and us speaking his word into them and in that struggle, them learning to depend on him, even though it's difficult, we're thankful for that. And we know that they're going to be stronger for it. But I just don't want them to be, because you read, you know, I, I read a book recently by Lauren Wells, um, but she talks about like this, the other side, when MKs aren't able to debrief their thoughts and feelings or not ask the right questions or um, they, they don't grow up in a home where communication is always happening. They grow up and they're resentful of their their life as an MK. And, and that's what we don't want to happen. We want them to be stronger people because of it. And just even be able to use what they've learned as an MK to reach people who are different than them. I think that's the beauty of MKs is that they can reach out to people who are different. Um, they're more comfortable with people who are different sometimes too. And so mm-hmm. we've noticed that even when our kids play on the playground with somebody. And that's really neat to me. I also wanted to make a comment. It's not, I don't want it to seem like, well, we went to the training and nothing was offered. We, we were, we were made aware of like MKs and they will, you know, they are, you're going to move overseas. They're going to go through these, these things in their life. And, and I think what happens even to us as church planners who are, are, are striving to be church planners is that we we're so focused on the task at hand that that seems, that seems at the time, like a, a minor issue, not like, not that it was communicated to us through Ethnos 360 right. that it wasn't a big issue or that you weren't going to deal with this. It's just that we were thinking one way and we actually didn't realize it, you know. We've never experienced it ourselves till you're in the situation. Absolutely. Well, and preventative care is so important, right? And that's nurturing the benefits and understanding and getting to really bring those out. And then it's mitigating the challenges. The truth is every one of us, no matter whether we're MKs or grew up in, you know, white picket fence, America, all of us have to do the same thing, but we have different dynamics that are unique to our situation that we have to nurture and mitigate. And so it's just so cool to hear how you guys are being so intentional about, you know, what are those benefits? What are those things, challenges to be mitigated and how do we do that? And so, you know, we just want to be there and support you guys as best we can and do everything we can to help. I mean, just thank you guys. We're just so thankful for your ministry, you know, and I know it's going to, it's, it's been good for our family and I know it will be for others too. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I feel like there's something the Lord just keeps showing me is, is the, the body and how he's gifted the body to, to build itself up and you guys are just a part of that obviously but a much needed part of what we're doing especially you know we're trying to reach the world but i feel like without without you guys we we couldn't do as good of a job so thank you i know you probably don't hear that enough but we we really do appreciate what you're doing and we can tell you guys are putting a lot of effort into what you're doing well we appreciate you guys saying that to us thanks Well, Jeremy and Mandy, um, this has been a great conversation. We think this is going to be helpful to other missionaries that are listening in. And just just an encouraging time with you guys. And we're we're going to be praying for you. Is there anything you'd specifically like us to pray for your family and ministry for? Um, I think just our time. We have about six months left here on our furlough that 
the Lord would just continue to help us and our family, uh, just like we talked about in the tribe, the, the difficulty to try to balance life as a family and ministry. It doesn't change. Wherever you go, it's the same. We need the Lord's help for that. And then we're just going to have a, a, another big transition as we go across the big pond again, back to PNG. Uh, we'll do all, all these things over again that, that we'll just depend on the Lord and that he'll be gracious to us. Okay. We will pray for that and encourage other people that listen to this to, to pray for you too. You've given us some great ideas to work on, some things to, to really ponder and think about. And we just appreciate you guys. Thanks for the work that you're doing with the Wantakia and with your family and your team there. Just a, an encouraging time. So yeah, we want to thank you, Hambrices, for joining us today on this episode of Basecamp. And we want to thank you for joining us as well. It's our hope that today's interview has been a help to you. And if you want to make a comment on today's podcast, or if you have questions, or if you need more information of what our team can offer, or you just want to say hello, buenos dias, bonjour, guten tag, avinun true, or, you know, hey guys, how do you say it in Wanakia? Usalado. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you can you can connect with us anytime <laughs> at mkcare at ntm.org. You can also find our handles on Facebook and Instagram. That's ethnos360mkcare. We also have our website, mkcare.ethnos360.org, with lots of resources there for you. And our program is registration and opt-in based. So parents, make sure to register your kids. If your kids are 13 or older, they can actually register for their own access to the website as well. And lastly, just want to highlight our upcoming events, our retreats. We're really excited about this year. We've got two of them. We've got one for high school ages, and that'll be June 18th through 21st. And we also have one for young adults, which would be 18 to 26 years old. And that will be June 23rd through 26th. And both of those will be in Missouri at our training center. So make sure to get more information and sign up for those. Well, until next time, this is Pete and Steve and the Hambrices. Thanks again, guys. We will see you alongside of the tour.